Thank you for tuning in to Kineticast. I'm your host, Bo Sauls. Today we have Margie Wallace from Frisco Birth Centers joining us to talk about how we have co-managed some pregnant women through the process into a natural birth, utilizing kineticence technology to document biomechanics and functional movement along the process. Margie and I have co-managed a couple of patients, and one of them was my wife, so I have a little bit of a personal connection, and I used kineticence to measure her through the process, and I actually have a cam screen when she's nine months pregnant, and I talk about the data as well. This episode really shows the adaptability of kineticence and how it can be used in multiple ways depending on what you're trying to measure. For more information about kineticence, go to www.kineticence.com where you can book your free online demo. Let's go ahead and get this episode started, Measuring Functional Change in Pregnancy with Margie Wallace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Kineticast. I'm your host, Bo. Today we have Margie Wallace from the Frisco Birth Center. Margie, thank you for joining us. I am so, so glad to do this. This is wonderful to see you again. It's great seeing you. And Margie actually helped my wife and I through our own birth process. My wife wanted to uh, do a natural birth. And we had looked at a couple birth centers, and Margie seemed to be the best fit for us. And as you all know, I'm a chiropractor, so um, I was taking care of the movement side. And I was using the technology at the same time. I'll get into that as we talk. But I do want to get in a little bit more about Margie. And Margie, you want to talk about... Um, your path and how you got here to be a midwife and in Frisco? Sure. I started off for almost 20 years working in hospitals, teaching natural birth classes and helping parents um, prepare for birth from a consumer mindset. And I fell in love with the idea of informed consent, truly informed decision-making that's collaborative with the care provider, as opposed to the more prescriptive one where doctors telling people what to do. And so it really began to craft my worldview, began to shift, and that moved me toward midwifery. Once my youngest of four sons was in middle school, timing was right, everything kind of fell together, and I was able to start midwifery school as a non-traditional age midwife. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Finished in 2015. I sat for my boards in 2015 and was licensed shortly after that, and I've been loving it ever since. And then I opened the birth center in uh, 2016. And um, now I'm doing both home births and birth center births throughout the city and really all of North Texas area. Yeah. And I mean, we work with a couple similar patients and we share some patients. And I, I mean, I only hear the highest of praises from you. So um, I really appreciate everything that you do for women. And I know that a lot of times there's a lot of lack of information, I would say. And I believe that you get more control out of people with a lack of information. And that's one thing that you do really well is you just educate on the process and you educate on what's going on with somebody so that maybe it's, maybe they can make a better informed decision like you're saying. And the lack of education is the hardest part, I think. And then if you want to control someone to go to a certain process, I mean, I always recommend people watching the business of being born uh, before you before you give birth, just just to watch that, just to put a different idea in your head. It's not about trying to skew you or say to do something else, but maybe you should look into both sides, look into all these different options before you make your choice. 100% agree. Um, the piece that I love about chiropractic, since we're talking about how we collaborate, what I love about chiropractic and really want to point out is that really not all chiropractors are created equally. My practice is in a sea of chiropractors. I ask every client to have a chiropractor. I love, love, love chiropractic. They're not all 
cut out of the same cloth. There are some chiropractors who understand the physiology of how a body is supposed to move and a full range of motion that's compatible with balance and flexibility, not just tightness and tone. And the people who have a chiropractor who understands that have better births than people who are just getting aligned. It's, it is a very, very different, I think it's a different, not just probably a different practice on your side, but it's different perception on my side in how the people feel confident in their body and know how to move in their body and know how to, um, so there's a phrase that I, like, I think people sit in their body yeah. in a way that chiropractors help them trust their own body instead of handing over the um, function of their body to a doctor who then just does the things and they are a passive participant. Your clients come back to me knowing their body, trusting their body and working in their body. And that makes birth different because that's what I need them to do in birth. I need them to move in their body. Yeah. So I think that you're fantastic. (laughs) Everybody had your philosophy. And I'm not just saying that like, you should see the difference, though. You really should see the difference. Well, it makes me feel good, Margie. That's not totally not the point of this podcast, but I appreciate it. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I know what you're saying, and the hard part is, like, like it's about giving control of people's healthcare back to them, right? Like, um, I know Spr- you probably hear sometimes he's like, he made me feel real bad about my movement. <laughs> like, apparently, I don't know how to move, but I do that to everybody. Like, I'm not gonna tell you what you're great at. I'll be like, yeah, you're fine there. I'll just say you're fine there. But I care about what your biggest weaknesses are. If you're focusing on your biggest weaknesses, then you're making yourself overall stronger in the process. So, um, Margie, I have I work with different people as well. Um, I have different uh, nurse practitioners, different people that are in the process of birth in different settings, and I always get the highest of praises from you. And they always feel so comfortable and happy and safe, which. Those are the, I think those are the key portions for giving birth because as you know, with the stress hormones and everything going through the body, it's just, it's a lot at once. And if the women aren't comfortable, happy, and if they don't feel safe in the process, it's the birth is going to be a lot different too. So, um, so let's talk a little bit more. What are the main physiological differences for the female body after having a baby at a birth center compared to having a baby at a hospital? Um, I think that the, well... It depends a little bit on how the decision-making is done. So, of course, we have the big question about how much sensation did the mom experience during labor or birth? So, was she numb? Was she, um, did she have pain medication that made it difficult for her to move or function? So, there's that piece. But the bigger piece that's separate from how numb she was is what position was she pushing in? In a hospital, pretty much straight across the board, with very few exceptions, women birth on their back with their feet up in the air. And that puts the position of the baby against her sacrum and against the lower half of a round circle, um, the sphincter muscle that the baby is coming out against. Baby's head's around, the muscle is round, round muscles stretch in round directions, unless the weight is forced onto just the lower half of that ring of muscles. And so when women birth on their back, I'm so sorry. When women birth on their Margie, back. Margie, you got so many people that need you right now. I hope there's not a birth What's going on right I now. I had it all muted. <laughs> Tell them that you can't give birth right now. You're doing a podcast. <laughs> when women birth on their back, 
they're um the vaginal the vault and the muscles underneath take a real beating when women uh, birth at the birth center or with a midwife in an upright position they heal better because their body is able to move in a physiologically normal way throughout their birth so we're way less likely to have the uh, suturing repairs almost never um, have an episiotomy or anything that would interfere with the normal muscular structure down there. So in general, there's less damage done during birth, but also their um, upright mobility means that they're going to be moving their muscles in a more, uh, in a way that helps them heal more quickly as well. They're not just sitting on their sore, kind of swollen, inflamed body and staying in bed in a hospital setting for, you know, till the third day they're moving around some and taking care of their body and being nurtured. And while we do want them to be in home, at home in bed, generally, that's not the same as sitting in a hospital bed. So I think just structurally, emotionally, physically, and then specifically um, in their pelvis and their musculature down there, it's a completely different story. Well, and I think also um, in a hospital, there's always some different uh, protocols that are taken too. So there's a little bit more inducing that goes on um, in the hospital. And if, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit, because that will definitely t change the biochemistry and the physiology inside, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. So um, with midwifery, we trust the body to go into labor when the baby's ready. Baby is actually the decider of the day of birth. The baby releases a sequence of hormones that polish off the lungs and make it possible for the baby to breathe. And when those hormones wash up the umbilical cord and mom's body gets a whiff of them, she goes, oh, now my baby can breathe. This is the day my baby should be born. So in the hospital, they tend to induce, uh, which means they're not really waiting for the baby to make that indication. A mom's body says, no, 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 I'm not gonna let my baby be born till I'm confident that the baby is 100% ready. So this incredibly innate primal mechanism of all mammals to protect their baby at all costs means that induction sometimes force the mom's body into labor when her internal mechanism would rather not. And so to do that, they have to override her hormones by giving her synthetic hormones, forcing her body into labor and um, with that comes IV medications, um, IV hormones, and then even just IV fluids, which can affect your, uh, the chemistry of your blood, your electrolyte balance, meaning your mineral balance, all the ways that your body communicates inside of itself through fluids even can be affected by days and days and days of extra fluids and mom's not eating and then synthetic hormones on top of all that. In hospitals, they generally don't let moms eat at all. Some hospitals will let moms have maybe popsicles and jello. Some will let them have just ice chips. There's a, maybe a fair, a very rare few that might let them have some broth, but and those are not the norm. So those moms are not getting the same kind of nutrition to their body. They're getting all these synthetic things to their body and then their baby is being manipulated into a birth setting that's not actually the most organic, most authentic timing even. 
So uh, what we see is babies can sometimes be born slightly neurologically immature, even if they're a full-term baby. They might not be fully ready for this world, so they might be less coordinated. Suck, swallow, breathe, for example, can be interfered with uh, their ability to nurse effectively. Sometimes just the way their gut works is ineffective. And then on top of that, we have babies being um, pushed out in these awkward positions, which affects their spinal alignment. There's so many counterproductive policies and procedures in hospitals that really jeopardize the entire birth process. But if you don't know it, you don't know it, right? right. Like you can't, you can't have anything to compare to. It's the most typical, so it seems normal, but it's absolutely not really normal while typical. Well, and when they induce too, like they're putting chemicals into your body that are actually changing how you contract. And when you're changing that, you it actually messes up the contraction process. So um, you can, I mean, you could probably go into that way better than I can, but I mean, putting in different hormones into the body and causing it to contract when not supposed to contract, and then it's confusing the body and then it gets lost. Then we get an increased uh, number of C-sections as well. And then um, when you do a C-section, now you're not doing the natural birth process. So you're not getting the normal cocktail that comes out there. Then you have your increase of postpartum depression and all this stuff afterwards because you're not having the same chemicals that are released through the normal birth process. So a lot of these things that we see that are problems for after birth and all this stuff are sometimes human created. And that's because we put human intervention where there doesn't need to be human intervention all the time. And I'm not saying every every mom doesn't doesn't need a C-section all that. I understand that there's things that happen and it's definitely there for a reason. But if we're using it for scheduling, then it's not a good reason. That's just not the that's not focusing on the mom or the baby at all. What are some of the fears that moms have when deciding on choosing a birth center over a hospital? Probably the biggest, the first question is always about, am I like tough enough? Is my, the phrase they use a lot is my pain tolerance threshold. Lots of curiosity about, do I, can I tolerate the pain? And when people bring that up, I always try to cast it in a different light. Like pain is not something to necessarily be that afraid of. Uh, in our culture, we point to it first thing, birth and pain, almost synonymous in people's mind. But there are people who live in chronic pain. There are people who invite pain by their day-to-day -day activity, going hard and working out and being athletes, and they experience pain. But the way they label that pain is that it's a positive experience. For some reason in our culture, we flipped that and made pain of birth seem like some insurmountable, um, unnecessary, like side effect Negative. that could be avoided, yeah. right? Rather than this mechanism that actually works really cool. It shows your baby which way to turn. It shows the mom how to move her body in ways that facilitate the baby moving because you respond instinctively to pain. And the best part of all about pain is that your body is perfectly equipped to make endorphins. Endorphins are morphine-like pain relief. When they are flooding the mom's body, they can cross the placenta and flood the baby's body. So moments before birth, the baby gets this drenching load of endorphins when the mom's hurting, only if the mom is having some pain. The baby gets this drenching load of endorphins that mom's body releases to help with mom with pain those cross the placenta and give the baby those endorphins. So that when the baby is leaving the uterus and the bones in the skull are being squished so firmly that they are overlapping and turning the baby's head into this long pointy watermelon shaped wedge. 
that baby's getting pain relief. How shocking is that when you think about the opposite is also true. If a mom is numb, she's not feeling any pain, so she's not making pain relief. And that baby has to navigate the birth process, get its head squeezed so that the bones move together without the same kind of pain relief. So that baby comes into the world in a very different neurological, physiological, and emotional response to the world by comparison. Yeah. So I am all about the moms, but I'm also really about the babies. Like birth matters for babies and it's the story the mom tells forever. And we could do better on both sides. Oh, I agree. And I think you hit all the points there. Now I'm going to take one point out of here that you probably weren't trying to go after, but movement. So getting into the, (laughs) getting into, you know, I do too, right? So getting into the movement side, uh, you mentioned some things that change. You talked about balance. You talked about, uh, flexibility. Well, with the system, I do baseline screening on everybody, right? Well, Marissa's due date, my wife, was October 17th. And we know that she went (laughs) 10 days past that. Um, But on October 17th, when that baby wasn't here yet, I said, Marissa, why don't we go through a cam screen? Let's do a full functional movement analysis on you. Because at nine months pregnant, let's see how the human body works. And Marissa's a great mover. She's always been really good at this. She scores high on the screen in the high 80s. So I thought, let's see what it is. So when I went through it, she scored a 73, which we'd expect her to be reduced. But the areas that were changed were back flexion. She only had 74%. Well, there's a huge mass in front of her, so that makes sense. Um, Then the reverse lunge. The reverse lunge was the, it's an overhead reverse lunge. I believe when taking that one leg back and the one leg staying forward, it twists the pelvis too much for being that far along and she couldn't get into the proper position. Now, she's strong, so she still did it, but instead of scoring her normal 90, she scored a 73 on it. Or uh, I think it was a 70. I'm sorry, 76. So, and then her balance reduced to 51, 45, and of course she couldn't jump. So, and then we look at what the major dysfunctions for her were. Her whole right side lit up. So she ended up with a right SI joint, immobility and she ended up with a right knee stability problem and her right ankle was mobility and then her right shoulder so her entire right side was taking the blunt of this birth process or this pregnancy which it's really cool to have some objective data to see where what's going on with this individual what's what's changing what are their compensation patterns to these new biomechanics new weights uh new center of gravity like we talk about that, like the that's why her balance was reduced. Of course, she couldn't balance on one leg because, I mean, there's a good amount of weight in the front of her that she's not used to having. But her whole right side was taking the the reaction to that. And then, as you know, um, with the baby, we want the baby to move to the left. We want the baby to continue to move there. Well, if we're having these right sided issues, it's pretty interesting to see it all be on one side like that. So. Mm-hmm. Case studies are coming, but um, it was cool to at least have that data. And we worked with a couple of women together, so the, um, I've, I've screened them as well. And it's interesting to see that the that they they don't correlate the same. They don't always have the same uh, data because everyone's an individual. So it's nice to see how everything affects. One of our patients that we share is actually a CrossFit coach, and she is super strong. She's like six foot three and really strong. And so I wasn't worried about her strength. She actually has uh, some uh, mobility issues in different areas like her pelvic floor and different things like that, which may be a little more uncommon because we're trying to stabilize the pelvic floor when she needs mobility there. 
and she has to go to a specific practitioner for that. So um, I don't know if you can speak on any of this that you've seen with, with them coming from me from this, but that's what I see when I use the system. I highlight all of the information. I try to see how they progress and regress through the process. So yeah, actually a few things that you said really stand out for me. One is that our CrossFit moms, um, professional dancers, and Pilates people are at significantly increased risk of cesarean birth because their pelvis, their pelvic floor doesn't tend to move. Right. There are some midwives in Dallas who um, automatically call it a risk score of one at the beginning of care if they have a history of CrossFit because the um, emphasis on tightness is not the same as the emphasis on strength, right. flexibility. Right. And so then you're trying to ask a uterus that's a little larger, thinner, distended because you've grown eight pounds of human into it to work effectively enough to push a baby through a pelvic floor that is unyielding. And that is gonna make a longer, harder labor, but it also affects the rotation of the baby. So. A flexible pelvic floor moves like, um, I wish I could think of a good word for it, but it moves in a way that allows a baby to spin and turn. And that, that rotation happens with the give, like, like a trampoline. You can move more easily on a floor that has some padding and some elasticity to it than you can on a floor that has friction against it. So babies move better with pelvic floor that's flexible, and then moms can push easier. So it's less likely to tear or have complications, but also more likely to just get a baby through. So um, I love that you know how to lengthen muscle, not just tighten muscle. I do think that people who are serious about fitness should be seeing someone who gets that piece of it because there is an, there's this bias that says if you're already kind of a badass athlete, you're going to be buff for birth and you can do anything. And while I agree with that, I think that, it is a risk that there is this, like, this is, this really is worth paying attention to. Well, you need to know that your muscles move, not just, it's like that muscle bound muscle builder, right? Yeah. You can't straighten your legs. Those aren't strong legs. Those are actually more at risk for damage and injury because he can't move the muscles to even touch his own toes. Can't scratch his back. I can't touch my toes for totally different. <laughs> yeah. I probably need to come see you, but I'm afraid. I'm oh, like, we have different like, therapies, Margie. Don't worry. But if it's you, I'm probably going to bring in some heat. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, again, it goes back to educating people. And I think that just because I use a system like this, it really helps me to show them visual representation and numerical data about how they're getting better or where they need to improve because if you're having a baby in three months, you're going to make sure you want to be able to do this. Squats are big, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I ask everybody to do squats in every doorway that they pass through. (laughs) Walk through a doorway, do a squat. That's awesome. Come back in the room, do another squat. I need squats all the time. Another really interesting thing about the way you practice that's not necessarily typical, and you probably don't know this piece, but because um, we didn't talk ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, this is this is on the fly. <laughs> but I think this is really important. Since you don't use mechanical ways to compensate for physiological deficits, meaning you don't throw a bunch of wear this type of SI stabilization belt instead of actually the stabilizer sacrum, right. um, you're not overcompensating. So, for example, uh, the way that it shows up on my side, I'll just talk about my side of it is, We trust that your body is doing something to compensate because it needed that compensation route. 
we're not trying to fix your body's natural protective mechanism. We're trying to say, why did your body do this interesting thing? Let's support that process, learn from it, and get your body back in, into the best optimal functioning. The one we see the most is the abdominal muscles separating in pregnancy. It's called diastasis recti. Yeah. Happens all the time. Kind of has to happen. The uterus grows balloon-shaped, watermelon-shaped, melon-shaped. And of course, those those muscles will part like curtains um, being opened against the window, right? So some chiropractors will right away suggest that we take those muscles together or we do something to fix it rather than stopping and saying, why is her body doing that? Did she need to do that? And then what's the physiology behind it? So for example, since we're talking about pelvic floors, what I love about allowing the diastasis to like supporting its healing without forcing it in a synthetic way where it weakens it. What I love about that is a mom whose pelvic floor has kind of taken the beating of birth. It's, it's recovering appropriately across a number of weeks from the pressure of birth. Uh, those abdominal muscles become a vent for the stress of life. So mom coughs and sneezes and some of the tension that would normally be powered down onto the pelvic floor from a cough or a sneeze or even a quick movement to an upright position that would normally be transferred to a pelvic floor. But after pregnancy, when the pelvic floor is needing a little TLC, the abdominal muscles have this slight open effect to vent that pressure while the pelvic floor heals. And then as the pelvic floor becomes more strong, those abdominal muscles can come together. And that's kind of the beauty of a physiological approach to chiropractic as opposed to a mechanical manipulation right. Chiropractic. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what Definitely. I observe on my side is why physiological chiropractic works with physiological birth. That's that's kind of the vibe. Yeah, and I, one thing I keyed on when you were talking there, um, it's the same thing I talk about. Like even if it wasn't a mom, it's like anything that someone comes in, why? Like yeah, I can give you a diagnosis. I, and I, I tell people all the time, like state of Texas, I'm giving you a diagnosis. I have to. But don't rely on that. Don't focus on that. If you focus on your diagnosis, you're focusing on a symptom. You're not focusing on why. And if you focus on why, we can help it help the process. We can correct some different problems in the process and make it actually go faster. And if we make it go faster, more stably, you actually feel better and you have less issues or symptomatology from it. And you're no longer worried about whatever your diagnosis was. You're getting through the process. And you understand what your body is actually doing. The, the why portion is missed a lot, I think, because it takes some time, too. And it's always not a straight answer because we're all different individuals, different anatomy, different histories, different health uh, issues. And you bring all that together, the why will always change. But if you take the time to analyze it, find different areas, well, that's why. <laughs> so it's because it's because I, you broke your ankle six times. That's, that's why it doesn't work right. You know what I mean? It's not hard sometimes. But it's yeah. just, I, I think that we get a little focused on a diagnosis or a, a symptom a symptom versus why it's even there or why it's happening. Just like you're talking about the diastasis recti. And I've talked about that with women too. I'm like, I mean, think about how what's changing in your body. Do you really want those abdominals to contract and then push down onto that uterus and push down into that? That just doesn't sound like a great thing, does it? You're not even supposed to lay on your stomach. But you want your you want your abs to get tighter and tighter. This doesn't make any sense to me. So it is what it is. All right. So what should women be thinking about when making a decision to where to have their baby? 
Oh, that's such a good question, especially in this climate. So mm -hmm. we're recording as we're moving into a new season where there's a lot of fear about COVID and hospital policies are um, more restrictive now than ever before. And so some women are looking at the possible loss of some of their choices around birth, like who they get to have with them, um, including their doula, who I, I love doulas. I think everybody ought to have one. Um, who can be with them for family to celebrate their birth with them. And so some people are weighing, maybe I should birth out of hospital simply so I can have my people with me. And I don't think that's a good enough reason. I think that people who should be birthing out of hospital are people who are willing and, and desire the opportunity to um, go all in, to experience the level of trust you trust you have to have in your body and in your team to experience the level of commitment it takes to um, anticipate a 10 hour or maybe even a 12 or longer hour physically strenuous experience knowing that it's going to be hard at times and they're going to need to lean into the people that they've chosen to help them through and they're going to have to depend on their body to give them a second wind and they're going to have to lean into nutrition and exercise and physiology and do all the things to make sure that they are mentally physically and spiritually equipped for a life-changing enormously satisfying beautiful birth that is also hard yeah not enough to be about location there has to be a they have to buy in so I love that people who have never thought about out of hospital birth are considering it now. But when they come, I want to I want to just be really honest. When we're talking about it, are you a good candidate for out of hospital birth? What I want to hear from you is that you have confidence or you're at least willing to build confidence in your body and in your team, not you're just afraid of the hospital setting because fear is never a good reason to make a decision ever in any arena, but especially not in an event like this that you're going to be remembering for the rest of your life. Fear shouldn't be the central feature. So information, preference, confidence, trust, um, the willingness to, to dive deep, go, go all in, even if you have some fear, the fear is not the deciding. I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, That's definitely. Where, yeah, it did. And I love that. Um, you never make a decision on fear. You make a decision on strength. If you, if you choose something that you're strong with, you're going to you're gonna make a good choice and you're going to continue on. If you make a choice due to fear, you have no idea what your outcome is going to be. And if you don't know what your outcome is going to be, then why did you even choose that? Um, unless it's, I mean, obviously there's different routes on that, but different theories. That's my point. That's what I would say. So Margie, how can people get more information uh, about you? How can they find out more about you? Easiest way to reach me is through my uh, website, FriscoBirthCenter.com. We um, also have a Facebook group and a Facebook page, Frisco Birth Center. And um, of course, they can always reach me on my phone, which is 469-MIDWIFE, for the oh, old nice. people who know how to spell with a keypad. But for T9. People, That's T9. <laughs> I remember T9. I could do it without looking. I'd be at the kitchen table with my parents, T9, and under the, <laughs> under the table going real fast. Uh, <laughs> So you dated yourself a little bit. I That's got right. you know twice your age, but when I got the book number, I thought I was all hot. Yeah. It's four six nine six four three nine four three three. But if you look it up, it spells midwife four six nine midwife. That's but awesome. The website is easy. 
day and there's a form you fill it out it'll shoot me a contact and i'll call you instead of a free consult come in and take a tour and there, get to know us there's probably going to be people that just want to even talk to you about the process and just talk to you about like what's going on this might not even be just because this could be people that are out of state or anything that'll reach out just because they want more information and they i'm I'm sure just by listening, we'll understand your knowledge and we'll be able to learn. And that's something I was able to work with you and learn more. And I had been, I had been through some different seminars and some different things that I thought were necessary. But, um, for me, what it always came back to when it came down to the, it was always the individual, the individual is different. You have to analyze the individuals. You have to collect information on them and what makes them different from everybody else. And then you work with someone just as yourself and me, how we work together and that's how you get a successful process. So I know there's a lot of fear out there right now, especially with COVID. Um, you hear all these different stories about what happens in the hospital if someone tests positive and different things like that that's going on. And I know it's, it's, it's pretty out there. So um, I know Margie has helped my wife and I. So if anybody wants to reach out to her, or you have any questions or fears, please reach out to her. 469 Midwife. As, I mean, I got that one saved in my head now. I think I can get everyone to contact you. That's great, Margie. Good job. I would love that. And seriously, um, it's really not about calling me only if you're planning on birthing with me. Right. My heart really is for people to be informed decision makers. And if I can be part of that, I really, I really sincerely mean that. I do want to be part of that. And I welcome the conversation. Call anytime. Well, thanks, Mark. Well, regular <laughs> you have enough you obviously have enough people contacting you all the time so <laughs> no problems there all right margie thanks for joining us i really appreciate it it's great to see how functional movement chiropractic and midwifery can all kind of come together especially utilizing technology which i think a lot of people again we're in 2020 what you and i both do are from a long years and years and years ago but let's utilize technology we have today to help the process better and just to give us more information for each person. And yeah. I think that's the big key. It. Yeah, and that's really probably what I think differentiates you. I even show your uh, website just today. I was at brunch with a chiropractor and I was like, you have to look at this. And she's like, oh my gosh, this setup looks amazing because it's the whole picture. It's not just give them exercise and send them home. It's show them how to do it equip them and make a space for it to be um, supported and, you know, really encouraged and realistic. So she was like, I'm going to reach out. So cool. you hopefully get a call from my friend this week. <laughs> awesome. Well, and just on that point too, you have to think like sometimes, you know, people are very focused on pain. You talked about that earlier. Um, it's not always about pain. So sometimes that pain is still there, but you're changing your patterns and you don't realize it because you're still in pain. It's really nice to see that you're gaining stability and control in your movement patterns and have number numerical data to that. That'll keep people focused and that'll get them through the process, even when it's scary and a little bit painful and they're not sure what's going on in their body because they can't feel that they're moving differently. Right. All right, Perfect. Margie. Thanks for joining us. It was fun to see you. Thanks so much for including me. We will have to do this again. Oh, I'll definitely. I'll my podcast when I finally get motivated and organized to do it. Oh, that's right. No, we'll get, we'll get on there, and then I'll make sure to share it for you, too. All right. Thanks, Bo. Bye, Margie. See you later. Give my love to your family. I will. Little Gracie says hi. Uh, <laughs> see you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode with Margie and I, and I need to apologize to my wife for how I described some of that. 
but I'm glad I got to show a personal side uh, using the system and the technology with the midwife and my own wife's process. It was really cool to watch data change and see where she was able to stabilize motions and keep the same scoring while where she had her biggest deficits. So it kind of helps show biomechanically where people break down along the process. Me utilizing the technology and functional movement during these processes is to only help movement patterns to continue to increase while also showing women that the processes do work and that they are continuing to move well. And if you have any questions with everything going on, please reach out to Margie. She's a great person. She wants to help you out and she wants to help others. Um, that's why I love working with her. We're just trying to help as many people as we can. And Margie has always put everyone else first, no matter the time of day. Um, I've seen her up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. doing things, and she's always focused on the individual. So any questions you have, please reach out to her. And for more information about Kineticense, you can go to www.kineticense.com to book your free online demo. Again, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Bo Sauls, and let's continue to learn about movement, performance, and rehab together. <laughs>